Hey, good Tuesday morning and welcome to Noah's Window. If you were with us yesterday, you heard me say we're having a little fun on Noah's Window, but I think it's fun that's got a got an important uh, aspect to it. And we're talking about finding ourselves in the Bible. You know, we're not all the same. We don't all have the same personality package. And one of the beautiful things about the Bible is the Bible gives us the stories of a lot of people. And we can see how they interacted with each other, and most of all, how they interacted with God. And, and a lot of times the Bible reveals what was going on inside of the people. It's so helpful for us. I've always loved studying the characters of the Bible. And if, you, uh, if you've been a longtime newsprinter, you know that a lot of the series that I bring revolve around characters. Because for me, I'm just so intrigued with the people in the Bible. And I, I've always thought of the people in the Bible as people just like us. Uh, I did a series that uh, was a long time ago, and probably only a handful of people could remember. I think it was back in 1993 or 94. I did a series called Bible Characters, 90s People. At the time, everybody was talking about the 90s. But what I really enjoyed in that series was taking the people in the Bible and then giving them terminology that we used in the 90s. And it was just a great series for our church and great series for me. And since that time, I just continue to talk about Bible characters and talk about them as though they lived in our times. And I've got good reason to do that. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, that these things happen to them as examples. Um, I'm not sure which translation it is, but one translation has the word types there. That's an interesting thing. These things happen to them as examples and were written for our instruction. So when I read about a character in the Bible, like say Joseph in the Old Testament or Elisha and Elijah in the, New, in the Old Testament or you know the disciples in the New Testament, then I recognize there are lessons for me there to, to extract. But I also think of uh, how different we are and how different those characters were. And, and what I see is that there are similarities between us and some of the characters in the Bible. So what I've challenged you to do uh, for fun and profit, I've challenged you to find yourself in the Bible. It could be that there's one character in the Bible that you just feel like you and she or you and he are so much alike. And, and again, two, we're not just talking about their gender because oftentimes, you know, you can find a characteristic of someone in the Bible if you're if you're male, but this person's female, but you can still see that spiritually you have things in common and, and vice versa. Uh, so I would I would love to challenge you to find yourself, whether it's one person or there are two or three people that you just sort of like or a composite of traits of, and share it with Mary Alice and me because we always want to get to know you guys better and who's watching and that'll that'll mean a lot to us. And if you'll tell us uh who your character or characters are in the Bible and, and why you feel like you and this character are similar. Uh, today, I want to talk about a, a personality profile that I admire so much. And I think the reason why I admire this personality is because oftentimes uh, this personality is very almost opposite to my own personality. Yesterday, I talked about bold colors. Uh, about high intensity uh, and yet at the same time corresponding weaknesses. Today, I want to talk about the disciplined thinker. Uh, this is that person. God has blessed you with a great mind to study and to figure things out. Um, and you just have patience with process. You can just absorb so much material. 
Well, if you're a Bible student, uh, I'm guessing that it wouldn't take you very long to guess the character that I'm going to extract from the Bible here. And the person I would point out would be Paul in the New Testament. Paul had an extraordinarily great mind. Uh, and again, just a little Bible backstory. You know that when we first meet him, his name was Saul. Uh, the name Saul means asked for or important. And he, as a young leader, was important, and he certainly was asked for. He was what we might have called in the 60s and up and comer. He was upwardly mobile, what we would have called in the 90s. Great mind, great thinker, supremely good education. He had what we might call the Ivy League education of his times. But uh, as a young lawyer, he uh, resented Jesus Christ so much. He would have seen Jesus as a fraud. He would have seen him as someone who was dangerous to Judaism. And when we first meet him, again, his name was Saul, his purpose was to stamp the name of Jesus Christ from the face of the earth. And in the book of Acts, he was trying his best. Uh, he was arresting Christians. In fact, when Stephen uh, was stoned to death for his testimony, for his sermon, it was Saul who gave permission to those who stoned him. So in other words, Saul gave the people what would have been tantamount to permission from the government to carry out the execution of noble Stephen. But, you know, I've thought about this through the years. I'm sure that the people in the early church used to pray, God, strike him dead. But instead of striking him dead, God struck him alive. Saul was on his way to Damascus with a whole briefcase of open arrest warrants to arrest Christians. And Jesus met him on the way and shined a bright light on him. And, and of course, Paul, you know, the rest of the story lay on the ground. He said, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? I've always felt like those are the two great questions for anyone who's coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Who are you, Lord? Who is Jesus? And once I know who he is, what is it that you want me to do? And the rest is glorious history. God changed him from a Christ hater to a Christ preacher. And I don't know that in the history of the world, outside of Jesus Christ himself, that there was any greater preacher of the gospel, teacher of the word of God than the apostle Paul. And God used him amazingly and used that marvelous discipline mind, that ability to think. Now, if you have Paul's personality and you're a disciplined thinker, you have some qualities that just make you absolutely invaluable to the world and especially to the cause, to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. What I admire so much is that you are patient with study and process. I have, I have a hard time being patient with study. I, I want to get to the bottom line and sometimes I'm so quick to race to the bottom line that I miss so many key details and sometimes I struggle with process. So I so admire those of you who have this disciplined thought process. You have a gift for understanding things. You can take complicated situations and you'll spend the time and the patience and the study to understand how things work. And then you're able to explain it to the rest of us. And oftentimes you are the ones who are able to build systems that benefit mankind so greatly. You know, when you look at the history of the early church, it's inescapable that there are two great leaders who are completely different, Peter and Paul. We talked about Peter yesterday, bold colors. I mean, 
He's in a race to get things done. And he he's rapid fire in his in his preaching. And I think it made him someone very exciting to listen to. And then you have Paul, who was a disciplined thinker. And maybe this is just my take on things. But I think about the fact that God had Peter preach on Pentecost and he had Paul to write most of the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 out of the 27 books, maybe 14 if you consider Hebrews, uh, what Paul wrote, which I do. So I think about that. I mean, God had Peter preach at Pentecost and Paul write the New Testament. And I've often thought that's the wisdom of God because Peter was exciting to listen to. Paul, on the other hand, we read about him preaching all night one time and a kid went to sleep and fell out of the window and died and, and God let Paul raise him from the dead. So I don't think you would want Paul preaching on Pentecost and I don't think you'd want Peter writing the New Testament or it might've been about that, about that thick. So for all of you disciplined thinkers out there, God bless you. The world would be a scary place without you. But just as far as instruction goes, um, for those of you who have this great disciplined mind, remember that not everybody has your gift. You know, sometimes I think it's a challenge for the pause of the world to remember that not everyone has that kind of capability. And it's also important to remember that things may not be quite as cut and dried as they can seem sometimes. We definitely see this in a situation in Paul's life uh, when he had just taken the first missionary journey and it was a great success. He had taken Barnabas with him. Barnabas was a real compassionate caregiver. We'll talk about that personality on Friday. Uh, but it all came down to Barnabas's nephew, Mark, because Mark had gone with them on that first journey, but he quit halfway through. And then when the time came for them to take a second journey, uh, Paul and Barnabas were getting ready to go and Mark wanted to go with them and Barnabas wanted Mark to go. But Paul said, nope, no way am I taking Mark because he flamed out on us the last time. And with Paul, it was, man, we have a system here and Mark doesn't fit into the system. And it caused a conflict between Paul and Barnabas, which is kind of sad because Barnabas was the one who made Paul feel welcome when Paul was first saved and everybody was afraid of him. That's what compassionate caregivers do. So it, it was really a sad thing for the church and Paul picked a new partner, Silas, and they went one direction and Barnabas went with Mark and they went a different direction. You know, one of the questions that I've thought about a whole lot is who was right? Was, was Paul right in saying, I don't want to take Mark with us again because he's, he's a joke or was Barnabas right to give Mark a second chance? I don't know, the Bible doesn't really say, but if we, we look at how that story ended out, you kind of almost have to side with Barnabas because Mark turned out to be a great leader. And this is too much information, but this is interesting. I think you'll find this interesting. What happened with Mark was he came under Peter. He, he began to work with Peter. And I've often thought about what that conversation must have been like because Mark felt like an embarrassment. His story was an embarrassment to the church because not only had he quit on a missionary journey, he had caused the dream team of Paul and Barnabas to break up, but I'm sure he was embarrassed. And I've always thought the conversation probably went like this as Peter said to Mark, hey, you come work with me. I think Peter probably said to him, you know, I, I flamed out one time and everybody gave up on me. I denied the Lord and, and everybody thought, I was a loser, but the Lord gave me a second chance. And Mark, you come work with me. And and um, and the rest is, is history. The very first book of the New Testament that was written is the Gospel of Mark, which really is, is, is Peter's 
Peter's gospel, but so typical of Peter. Peter said, Mark, put your name on it, you know. But he became very effective, Mark did. So much so that late in life, when Paul was ending up, he, one of the last requests he made was bring Mark because he's now profitable to me for the gospel. So, you know, for all of us who are, well, I shouldn't say all of us, but all who are disciplined thinkers, you're so good with systems and thinking. It's really important to remember that sometimes things are not quite as cut and dried as they seem. So what are, what's the greatest need of someone who is a disciplined thinker? I think uh, from what I've watched through the years is sometimes, especially in difficult times and difficult circumstances, that analytical mind can lead to despair. It's always important to remember that God can work outside the system the way he did in Mark's life. And you know, I see so much growth in Paul. Uh, thankfully, we have so much information in the New Testament about his life. One of the places I would I would encourage you to look at is in Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, because Paul is very honest about himself, and he writes about a thorn in the flesh, and he said, "I asked God," or he actually said, "I begged God three times." And uh, that's not even fully correct because what he's saying is I begged God three seasons to take it away. But look at what Paul wrote. He said, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So uh, God bless all of you disciplined thinkers out there. And there are more characters in the Bible that have this trait. We'd love to hear from you if you, uh, if you have this strength and uh, maybe even some of the blessings and challenges that you go through with this gift package. So thank you for watching. Let's pray together today. I'll be back tomorrow to talk about one of my favorite, favorite all-time personality profiles. It's the reluctant but victorious warrior. And... Uh, Wow, a lot of you very, very special people have this package. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and for the way that you put us all together and work with our weaknesses and our strengths to bring together a great symphony of grace in your church. Help us, Lord, with our strengths. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to take our, our strengths and to use them for you. And then, Lord, help us in our weaknesses that we won't be discouraged or dismayed, but that we'll be honest about them and seek your help and the help of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us today on Noah's Window. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day.